Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. And something you don't know about me, Jeff, is that I get a little obsessive about lookalikes and soundalikes. I, I need to figure out who someone is reminding me of. Uh, my wife and I always play the game when we meet someone who would play that person in the movie about them. Uh, so last week, when we interviewed Chris Bevilacqua from Simple Bet, the whole time, it was killing me. I was like, this guy sounds like someone, but I can't figure out who. And then finally, a couple of days later, it dawned on me, Bevilacqua is the sound-alike of another Gambleon guest, basketball writer and sports TV talking head Frank Isola. So I have a quick Gambleon clip of each at the ready. You tell me, am I crazy or are these guys dead audio ringers for each other? Uh, first, uh, here's Chris Bevilacqua. Like you, I'm not a technologist either. Uh, you know, I'm a businessman, but I saw a big opportunity uh, around what was happening in the ecosystem of media. And here's Frank Isola. You know, you look at what the team did when he was injured at when five and 16 in those 21 games that he missed when he had the knee injury. They basically fell apart. They just couldn't win without him. So what do you think, Jeff? All right. Well, something that you don't know about me is that I am also, in my uh, spare time, a forensic audiologist. <laughs> okay. Didn't so know you, that was you, a thing. You've asked the right person. Good. It, it, it is a thing. Uh, so, yeah, I've been consulted on numerous high-profile cases <laughs> where they need forensic audiology. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, no, they sound a lot alike. I think, Frank, I, I feel like I, I, the pitch is about right for both mm -hmm. of them, right? Like the, the, the level or whatever. But, like, I, Frank's a little bit more nasally. Just okay. in, in, and I'm not saying, and Frank, please, that's that's not an insult. I'm just saying. No. That, Listen, you're I, a, you're a professional. You're, I, I am, as I said, a forensic audiologist. Yes. Uh, no, but yeah, no, they sound very similar. You're absolutely right. Okay. You're, you're not wrong. All right. Uh, glad to get that confirmation yeah. from a yeah. forensic audiologist such as yourself. Uh, I did this once before on the pod in the pre-Edelstein era after we had 2006 World Series of Poker champ Jamie Gold on. It dawned on me that he sounded almost just like John McEnroe, uh, and so <laughs> I so I dropped those clips in uh, the following week. Uh, I don't know if you watch any animated shows, but um, like on Big Mouth, a new character yes. pops up, and it drives me nuts trying to figure yeah, out no, who's doing is. the voice. Right. <laughs> I inevitably look it up on IMDb if I don't figure it out inside a minute or two. Right. Uh, but I also to to tie it in with your favorite TV show ever, uh, early on in this season of White Lotus. Mm -hmm. I started thinking the actor who plays Albie reminds me of someone, and it distracted me all season, and, and I never quite got there. It was like a hint of Jeremy London from Party of Five. I don't know if you watched Party of Five, but uh, okay. but uh, I, I don't I don't quite think that was it. But uh, but it, it was bothering me all season, and I couldn't quite figure it out. Well, send it, send 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 over a few things. I'll I'll, I'll take a listen. <laughs> Time. This this was this was more the look than the than oh, the, the sound. Uh, well, so I don't I'm, know. Are you a forensic videologist? I am not, unfortunately, but I I know a few people. Okay, good. Um, and and among people you know, of course, is is your father who looks just like Larry David. Um, he, he's a I, dead ringer. Yeah. I, I'm curious. Is there anyone that people ever tell you that you look like or sound like, for that matter? I, it's weird. I've been told like a a smorgasbord of people from Howard Stern to Eric Clapton. Uh, -huh. uh, to Jim Morrison, which I don't see at all. The Clapton yeah. one, I think, is the closest. Yeah, I could see the Clapton, and I could hear the Howard Stern. If they're saying you sound a little right. like Howard Stern, maybe I, I, I hear hints. You even kind of laugh like him. I just realized a little well, bit. You know, eh, us, right. us, us radio, you know, trained Jews. What can I say? <laughs> right. That's that's what you and Howard have in common, and that's, that's pretty right. much the end of it. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 222 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 221 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Subscribe, rate, review, yada, yada. I have no clever comment to insert here. It's the last pot of the year. I'm tapped That's out. It. Just, just give us a freaking five-star rating, okay? Please.
All right, listen, coming up a little bit later, we got, uh, I, I guess, our boss, editor-in-chief, founder of Sports Handle, uh, Brett Smiley, is, is joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about his favorite football team, the New York Giants, as well as the industry at large, sports betting industry. But first, as always, Eric, plenty of news to cover. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's start off the news section with your boy Dave Portnoy and the latest intrigue surrounding Barstool Sportsbook. There are two separate stories here, though they're connected. Uh, first, we talked recently about Massachusetts not just handing Barstool a sports betting license. In the past week, the Massachusetts Gaming Commission has approved both MGM Springfield and BetMGM. It also approved Caesar's Sportsbook, and it approved a brick-and-mortar Barstool Sportsbook at Plain Ridge Park. But the commission didn't make a ruling on the digital Barstool Sportsbook, instead pushing a decision to at least early January. Meanwhile, in Ohio, where sports betting will launch on January 1st, the commission flagged Barstool for a possible fine of $250,000 for violating rules about marketing sports betting to minors by hosting the Barstool College Football Show on the University of Toledo's campus on November 15th. That Ohio news was ill-timed for Barstool in Massachusetts, where commissioners brought it up while grilling Penn Entertainment CEO Jay Snowden about whether to grant Barstool Sportsbooks licenses. Jeff, has the Massachusetts Commission gone overboard at this point, or should Penn maybe dial Portnoy back a little, stop having him be the face of the sportsbook, stop having him make videos talking about his bets and sweating his bets? Uh, they'd be idiots to pull back. I mean, he, he uh, Portnoy is Barstool Sportsbook. You know, mm-hmm. without him and his antics, you know, they're they're not going to be. You know, they're not the you know third, fourth, fifth top earning whatever sport you know handle sportsbook in the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll be immediately swimming at the bottom. Like I don't think people it's, people aren't flocking to Barstool to uh, you know because they have the best odds or the best interface or whatever. People who bet on Barstool, for the most part, are betting because they're they're Barstool people. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, no. I mean, I guess maybe getting him off college campuses proper isn't the worst idea. Right? <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, can't, we can't put him in a, in a bar at a college area, in a college town? Like, we can't do, I mean, where everyone is theoretically 21. Right. Right? Like, wouldn't that solve this problem pretty quickly? Uh, or maybe, like, put him on the campus but don't have him talk about betting when he's there? I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I think we're getting a little ticky-tacky with all this stuff here and i'm sure that you know the, the commission in massachusetts this is all in light of that new york times article and you know but like even that new york times article, it's not like i mean the only news in that article as far as i was concerned was that portnoy declared bankruptcy like 20 years ago from thirty thousand dollar debt i mean i Port, listen portnoy he, he Anyone who th- – he's thriving off of this stuff. Like, the, right. he is, like, the he is the working definition of, like, that P.T. Barnum quote, right? I don't right. care if they're talking good about me or bad about me as long as they're talking. You know, they're, it, it's, he's just getting bigger. And really, if, if Massachusetts doesn't approve the, 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 uh, the, you know, the online license for them, right. that's the best thing that's going to happen to this company. Interesting. Yeah, I, it kind of is. The, the sort of the way the public would rally behind them and the extra publicity they'd get out of it for all their other states. Um, first of all, in, in terms of the Ohio stuff, um, I'll just say, you know, this is one of the problems with every state having its own set of rules. Uh, you know, I guess it's on the barstool folks to have like lawyers and office drones reading the rules in Ohio before going there, I guess. Right, but, right, right. you know, what what goes against the marketing rules in Ohio doesn't go against the rules in other states. This was clearly a pretty innocent mistake and they'll pay the fine and, and that's that. Um, not really a big deal, but I guess it's one more strike against them for the people who have it in for Barstool. What one more thing to point at and say Barstool is bad? Um, and Barstool may yes. be bad, but 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 I don't I think this inc- incident makes a meaningful case against them. Yeah, and I also don't think that like anything is going to like move the needle on Portnoy either. It's yeah. not like you know, it's not like all of a sudden people are going to wake up tomorrow, tomorrow who liked him and be like, oh, I hate him, or right, and vice right. versa. You know, like he's his, you know, you're you're either on or off the Portnoy train. You know, it's not nothing serious. He could find a cure for cancer and it's people are like, oh, Portnoy, you know, right. so, you know, I think I think if Penn was smart, they'd just keep full steam ahead. And honest to God, the more like trouble, quote unquote, Portnoy gets in, the better it is for the brand. Yeah, I mean, the 
when I asked you the question about Penn dialing him back, I was basically just posing a straw man argument. I certainly don't <laughs> think Penn should should have to dial him back at all. Um, and and if they did dial him back just to get licensed in Massachusetts. I don't think the money that they're going to earn in that one state counterbalances the marketing value he brings uh, in all the other states. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's enough already in Massachusetts. You, you did a little extra questioning. You made your point. Just give them their mobile sportsbook license. Course. It's not like Portnoy is an insurrectionist. He, he's Portnoy. <laughs> he, he may or may not be a great guy, but he hasn't done anything to warrant Barstool being frozen out in Massachusetts. So, you know, settle down, Massachusetts. Stop being all holier than thou. So they're douchey bros. So what? License right. them and move on. <laughs> Uh, all right. Our second story focuses on another barstool-ish, bro-y type figure, uh, Chicago sports better Marco Pimonte, who has adopted the nickname Million Dollar Marco and loves betting wild parlays. And for the second time in 2022, just won one for nearly $3 million. The details are nuts. He made a five-leg parlay Saturday that started with an in-game wager on the Vikings against the Colts when the Vikings were trailing and priced at plus 700. He added Browns money line against the Ravens, Dolphins plus seven against the Bills, Jaguars plus four against the Cowboys, and Raiders to beat the Patriots. He risked $31,000 to win $2.88 million and got there with two all-time crazy finishes, the Vikings comeback and the Patriots boneheaded lateral. Uh, along the way, Pimonte had lots of opportunities to cash out, but he chose not to and won the full amount from DraftKings. There are some interesting sub-angles to discuss concerning Pimonte beyond just the bet itself. There's the fact that everyone on Twitter is skeptical about whether he's a winning better, figuring sportsbooks wouldn't let him bet $30,000 on a parlay if he was actually sharp. And we'll never know because we don't hear about all the losing bets. There's the fact that, as he acknowledges, he comes from money. His dad owned car dealerships. So we don't know how ballsy it is or isn't for him to let a big bet ride if maybe a few million bucks means nothing to him. To an extent, it boils down to a discussion of should the industry be giving him this attention when we don't know the full financial picture? So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Marco and on us and others giving him coverage? Yeah, uh, well, as someone who enjoys betting a parlay now and again and again, I mean, the, the idea that this guy is sharper than the rest is is foolish because, like, even if you are sharper than the rest, like, five-team parlays, you know, are not – it doesn't matter how sharp you are. Like, there's too much variance, and, you, you know, you're paying too much vig, and it's just it, – you, you're – you know, come on. I don't care. The sharpest betters in the world aren't going to be able to routinely win five-team parlays. So there's – I mean, I, I'm guessing he's placing $30,000 parlays left and right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm guessing. It would, it would seem to be that. Uh, so kind of, sort of, I could give two shits, <laughs> you know, if we're being honest. You know, like, if I might, you know what I'd rather read about? Honestly, I'd rather read about the guy that put like five bucks down on a 16-team parlay and, and won, right? I Where I recognize, well, that's, everyone recognizes that that's pure luck, Right. Right. But everyone has five bucks in their pocket, you know, and and so like at least I can identify a little bit with it, you know. I, that that to me is more interesting, you know. Somebody just getting lucky as opposed to someone kind of pretending to be sharp and pretending to be a high roller when all they're doing is just like you know throwing shit against the wall. So I, I honestly I'm not all that interested in like somebody who's doing this. I mean I I know we've covered it, right. but I it, it I don't know I didn't read him like oh I got to read this story just you know oh some guy bet and won. I mean, I'd show me all the losses too. Then, right. may, then maybe I'll be interested. Just tell me that you're up. You know, you know your ROI is you know twenty eight percent betting these parlays. Then I'm then I'm really interested. Right. But come on, he'd be the first. <laughs> right. It seems like the the people who care about the ROI and the full calculations and seeing the whole picture are not this guy's audience. I guess is is the problem. Um, I, I'll I'll note that uh, you know we had some brief low-key internal conversations this week about Pimonte coverage. Um, you know, we hit the big parlay on Sunday. Our guy, Chris Altruda, wrote up the story for Monday morning. That makes the third Pimonte story we've run on Sports Handle in the last few months. And I did think this was a really interesting one that was worthy of coverage uh, just because of some of the, the legs involved. Right. 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 And, and, and it did good traffic, as we figured it would. But it was time afterward to just raise the question, is it news every time he hits a big score, especially when, okay, he risked 30000 and won almost $3 million. That's just about 100x. 
like you, I would be shocked if he doesn't have somewhere close to 100 losing tickets like this from the past several weeks. If he's the type of guy who looks at the Vikings trailing and says, you know what, plus 700, that's a good price, they can come back, but let me parlay it with four other legs. (laughs) And he's basically live betting $30,000. He's absolutely doing the same thing and losing a dozen or two dozen or three dozen times every NFL Sunday, but we'll never know. Uh, Well, let's ask him. I mean, seriously, let's, yeah. let's say, well, uh, we'd lo- that, that to me would make a fascinating story. Let's sit down with somebody like this guy, Piedmonte, or him or anyone else who bets crazy, and let, let's let's spend a week seeing all his bets. Right. You know? Yeah, so I mean, process. yeah, now that's a great idea for a story if uh, if Chris, and Chris has talked to him for the second of the three stories was a bit of a, a feature. If if he can get, you know, fully open up the books and show me show me your full week and we don't know going in if you're going to have a losing or a, or a winning week. I would, right. I agree. I'd be interested to That's read that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until we have a clearer picture of what his finances are really like, whether he's gambling responsibly or not, you know, I, I think we have to be cautious about glorifying him. I think, you know, it's, it's a case by case basis in terms of what warrants an article. I, I, I would think the next one would have to be, even crazier and luckier and more interesting than this to, to right. warrant an article. Um, but you know, that's just my take doesn't necessarily represent the whole company. Um, I, I do want to talk about the, the cash out option that he had. The fact that he didn't cash it out at 2.2 million during the last game tells me he probably has like a hundred million socked away. This, this money must not mean anything to him. I'm kind of making an assumption. You're not supposed to right. do that, but come on, even if you have, even if let's say he has $5 million in his gambling bankroll, he's risking 30,000 of it. Okay. That's fine. If they're offering you 2.2 million instead of the 2.9 million to end the sweat, I don't think you're turning that cash out offer down. You, you have to not care at all about a couple million dollars, in which case you're creating a false image for your followers, which is fine. I guess that's today's self-marketing, but right. yeah, I'm just not buying it with this guy. Yeah. And, and it's not a personal attack. I don't know him. Could be a good no, person, but I'm, I'm, I'm just skeptical that we're seeing the whole picture here. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is I would do very bad things to numerous people for $2.2 million. <laughs> yes. I, if you were 99% to win... And they're offering you 2.2 million instead of 2.9 million. You're I, probably cashing out at that point. Yeah, I yeah. would think so. Um, all right. Our third story this week is the conclusion, possibly, of the most viral poker story of 2022. We all recall the crazy live streamed cash game hand from September where amateur Robbie Jade Lou made an almost unimaginable call with Jack High against pro Garrett Adelstein's semi bluff and the firestorm that ensued as people debated whether she was cheating or just made a goofy play that worked out. Well, last week, Hustler Casino Live shared the findings of its supposedly independent investigation and announced, quote, no conclusive evidence of wrongdoing was found. That doesn't mean she's innocent, but it at least means they couldn't find anything to suggest she's guilty. Minutes after the hand, uh, you'll recall that as, as Adelstein was accusing her of cheating, she gave him back his half of the pot. As far as we know, he hasn't returned that money to her following the investigation that sort of kind of cleared her. In his limited tweeting on the matter, Adelstein talked about being satisfied about the game security moving forward, but didn't apologize to her or retract his accusations. Uh, Jeff, you weren't my co-host yet when this all went down. So did you have an opinion at the time on whether it was cheating? What do you make of the investigation? And do you think this matter is now closed? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, you you follow this world a lot closer than I do. But like, you know, just, you know, putting on my forensic psychology hat for a second here. (laughs) So many forensic degrees. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, my mother, a lot of pressure growing up. (laughs) Um, No, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that Again, like armchair psychology, if she was cheating, there's no way she gives him the money back because that would like seem to indicate that, like, you're right. I cheated. Right. Right. But like she's claiming she didn't cheat. And like I, I could like, you know, it got a little intense. So maybe she's just like, just here, here's your money back. You think I'm cheating? I don't give a shit. Take, take the money. You know what I mean? Um, and on the other side of that, she's a relative newcomer to this world yes right she'd been playing for about a year as far as anyone knows i mean just just because like a move isn't sharp doesn't mean that you're a cheater 
right. you follow? I mean, right. So like, I, I mean, I think overall, if I, you know, if I, if I had to lean here, I'm going to lean that she didn't cheat, that she just misplayed a hand and she got nervous and she said, here, take my money back. I mean, I played like, you know, poker with friends like back in the day, you uh-huh. know, and when things would get out of hand, right. For $20, they'd be like, here, just take the money. It's over. You right. know what I mean? Like, and I kind of feel like that is kind of what happened here. My guess. That's my guess. That's yeah. Guess. No, that that lines up with with how I perceived it from the start was that I don't think she cheated. She's an inexperienced player who panicked a bit and made a weird, bad call. And and apparently that's something she does. She plays a very unorthodox brand of poker. Um, and then her panicky element worsened after the call when people at the table were asking her what the hell she was thinking. And she got flustered and, and couldn't explain it. And that made her look worse. But I think it was all just consistent with her being uncomfortable. And then that her giving the money back, that was... You know, I, what you said, I, I don't want to make a big thing out of this. Just take your money back and let's be done with it. Not realizing right. that would do the opposite of of, of end the, the drama. Um, but yeah, I believed her side of it all along, except when things got really weird with, uh, uh, you're probably aware of the detail of the, the TV employee who was caught on camera stealing $15,000 in chips off her stack that came out a couple of weeks later. It seemed fishy, and you could tell yourself a story that he was her inside source telling her the cards, and he was taking his cut of the profits because he didn't think she was going to give it to him. Um, so that detail made me waver, and it made a lot of people waver. But the investigation specifically noted that it found no prior history between the two of them, so I, I think I have to let that go. Um, I got to say that, that Adelstein is not coming off well here. Um, he, he first came off douchey when he played Survivor several years ago. Um, and his Twitter statement here remains very me, me, me. Uh, I guess he still thinks she cheated and he doesn't trust that the investigation proves any in- innocence. And, right. it, and it doesn't prove any innocence. Um, but this was the time to probably issue some sort of apology to her. Even, even if there was a little caveat, a little hedge. Right. He could make it a half-hearted apology, but you got to offer something. And and so the poker world seems to be viewing him now as the villain of the story because he didn't do that. Well, I mean, that, I mean, this is what, as everyone always says, this is the difference between Edelstein's and, and Edelstein's. <laughs> you know? That's what they say. Huh? That's what everyone always says. <laughs> you are definitely not the villain of, of any story that you're in. <laughs> Days young. <laughs> Um, I do want to throw in one uh, one last cool uh, closing note on this is that um, she now has a hand named after her. Um, people oh. people are playing Jack Four and calling it the Robbie. So th- so that tells you how big this was. I don't think anybody sure. has had a hand named after them since Doyle Brunson Doyle, almost 50 right? years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> good for good for her on that, I guess. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. I've been lazy this week. I'm in holiday vacation mode already, so I didn't bother to look up how long it's been since we last had this week's guest on the podcast. Instead, I'll just go with the cliched, it's been far too long. He is the editor-in-chief and co-founder of Sports Handle. He is nipping at my heels in the office football picks pool. He is a father of two and a friend to all, Brett Smiley. Welcome back to Gamble On. Thank you for the warm welcome. Good to be here with you guys. I don't know how long it's been Either it's uh, each day bleeds into the next, and it's all the <laughs> yes, especially once you're a father of two, there, there, there is no time anymore. Everything is just a blur. Yep, there's no days of the week for all eternity, pretty much. <laughs> um, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey said it best, I think. Right, time what? is a flat circle. Oh yeah. yes, there you go. <laughs> all right, so uh, Brett, let's start with a, a football gambling question that goes straight to your heart. Uh, I, I referred in my column this Monday to Giants versus Vikings as the bookmaker disrespectable. You're a Giants fan. Do you feel the lines have been selling them short this season? And have you been able to profit off of the underestimating of the G-Man? I've heard that suggested often, obviously. Uh, um, I I think what it boils down to is the Giants have been exceeding expectations. I think uh, the market has been spot on. They've, uh, I I pulled it up there like... uh, 10 and four against the spread. Um, they've been doing it with uh, duct tape and a practice squad at the receiver position. Uh, Kenny Galladay for $70 million still has zero touchdowns 
Um, I don't know how they've they've just been cobbling wins together. It's uh, I haven't bet on them that much, although I I did uh, I took four and a half uh, against Washington. Uh, that was nice. Glad to avoid overtime, um, but very very pleasantly surprised as a Giants fan uh, that this is year one and you know whatever happens, I, I can't believe they even might go to the playoffs. So it's this is all very welcome. Not not just might, but uh, you know, knock 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 wood for you. But they're they're looking pretty good off that win off uh, over Washington. I guess the the sub question here for every Giants fan is is Daniel Jones your answer? I don't know if he's the answer, but I I, I would like to see, and I think he has earned one more year. I don't know if that means franchising him or you know uh, I I don't I don't think he his agent can expect, nor will he get a Kirk Cousins like contract, but. Uh, I, I like him. You know, the, the receivers have been bad or, or injured. Uh, yeah. So I would like to see what he do does when they can uh, shore up the interior offensive line a little bit. Uh, so I'm hopeful for, for one more year. Saquon is another, is another story. That second pick comes back to bite you. All right, let's 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 dig a little bit deeper here. Not in the Giants, but in the sports betting space specifically. You, you've been covering it now uh, for a very long time. In the years post-passport, if you had to say, wow, this is the one thing that really surprises me as we're sitting here today, can, can you can you drill down on one thing, or is that impossible? It's possible. And and spoiler alert, sometimes uh, these questions are given beforehand, so I have had some time. To <laughs> uh, it might have been uh, impossible yeah. otherwise, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought about it, and the, only, the thing that I keep coming back to is the uh, – is the significance of popularity of the the same game parlays uh I, just in terms of uh size of the handle it's i, I don't have a number but it's it's a lot for both for FanDuel. DraftKings was behind they've caught up a little bit although uh, you know there's shortcomings but are things that they do with it better uh there's some version of it and at every sports book it um i was critical of it at first uh you know it's just tired of seeing that front and center on a on the sports book every time I logged in, but I guess I've, I've, I've learned to, to love them. You know, people like to bet a little to win a lot. That's like a, you know, fundamental gambling maxim. That's why people play the lottery, you know, everything in moderation, but uh, I think we'll continue to see some product innovation or, or toying, toying around around that. And uh, it's, um, you know, I like uh, for, for, standalone NFL games coming up with the theory of the game and putting together like a three or four leg uh, parlay for, for what may happen. And, uh, and then throwing in like a, a touchdown score to, uh, you know, to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. I, 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 at first I really was like, you know, I, I against the idea of oh, sports betting shouldn't be a lottery, you know, this is more of a science, you know, it's bad for the industry, blah, blah, blah. But I, I've completely like 180 a little bit. I, I think like, Putting five dollars down, ten dollars down, twenty dollars down on some ridiculous long shot that you're getting the worst of. Who cares? It's like it's entertainment value. You know what I mean? And if you hit one of these things once, you're then that you're good. You know? You you buy yourself a you know a couple seasons worth of entries. Jeff, I know you're having a kind of a rough uh NFL betting season. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you want to add a section to um to the column uh, for, for same game parlay? Like uh, pick a same game probably of the week, so another bet I could lose each week. Yeah, yeah why, why yeah. not? All right, something we can toy with. Yeah. I think I think it would be especially fun for then readers to guess. You know, here's the five legs in the same game parlay. We know four of the five are going to hit. Hit. Guess <laughs> which is the one that lets Jeff down. I think that's I a pretty, fun game every I'm, week. I'm king of that, by the way. King yes. of that. <laughs> Um, all right. Another uh, sort of big picture uh, sports betting industry question for you here, uh, Brett, that the three of us have similar political leanings. Uh, some among us may lean harder and farther than others, but safe to say we all have some reservations about the Elon Musk era of Twitter, uh, as he very clearly picks aside politically. Um, what would it mean for gambling, both for gamblers and for us in the media trying to cover gambling? If Twitter went away, uh, would gambling Twitter be adequately replaced by gambling Reddit or, or gambling TikTok or, or something else? I have been following this uh, story, the greater story of uh, Twitter and Elon and Tesla and uh, and media consumption pretty obsessively. Uh, and what I keep coming back to is that there is not a clear cut one to one replacement right now. Twitter has become so ingrained into media, you know, tweets are on 
sports center. They're embedded in, in articles across the spectrum. So that's another you know, component of article writing and, and reading. Uh, how does that get potentially replaced? But it's it's gotten to the point where, you know, I, uh, a longtime obsessive, have temporarily deactivated my account and hmm. looking into Mastodon. And uh, I don't think Twitter is going to uh, go defunct overnight or anything, although, you know, who, who knows um, if there'll be some buyer at, at a loss. Certainly, we will all survive if Twitter goes away. You know, there are uh, many of us probably remember a time when there was Friendster and MySpace and uh, Facebook. I don't use Facebook anymore and life has gone on. Uh, so it's, it sounds like a fortune cookie, but but nothing is forever. And Elon is, is really testing, uh, you know, how long that, that that runway might be. But, you know, there's money and time being invested in, in finding a substitute. And uh, within the next six months, we probably will find out what it is that uh, becomes, you know, the the thing that can most closely resemble it. But you, you haven't seen anything so far out there that feels like, oh, yeah, this is the one that when Twitter, if and when Twitter disappears, everyone's going to fill in the blank. Nothing nothing strikes you as as really a, a quality replacement on that level. Nothing yet. I, I mean, I've signed up for a few things that are in like beta stage post.news or something like that. And and maybe it's the you know everything becomes more fragmented into like Discord communities. Um, I don't think Twitter is going to go away completely. There's you know there's so many people who have invested a lot of time and uh, you know personal brand equity in uh, in developing these personalities and you know thirty, fifty, hundred, even two million people following them. That's that's tough to leave. So uh, a lot of people will be willing to to tolerate a lot, but it's just total freaking chaos. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't know if you're going to be banned. You don't know what decision he might make. And that audience might not be there uh, regardless. So that's where I'm at. I, I'm kind of hoping Twitter goes the like the route of like Chick-fil-A. Like, yeah, I don't really agree, but it's delicious and I'm staying around. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, I, Twitter's important. I, I don't want to yeah. have to find a new Twitter. I, I, I like that parallel, actually, to Chick-fil-A. I, I hadn't thought of that. I You know, at the time that Chick-fil-A got involved in controversy, I was still eating chicken and very much, you know, in that rationalizing, you know, uh, OK, if, the, if they, the owners will just uh, issue a little apology statement, I can go back to eating their sandwiches. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I don't really want to see Twitter go away either. I do want to see Elon, uh, you know, get crushed financially and uh, reputationally. That will be satisfying. But uh, Twitter has just lost its, some of its value. I mean, you go to the homepage now. I'm trying to find certain sports stuff, and I have all sorts of different crap getting fed yeah. to me. It, it's it's harder to find, like even like injury reports. It takes longer to sift through, like you know the the real accounts versus you know fans asking questions. So there's there's real problems with it, its product. So it's just losing that kind of magnetism. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask just what deactivated means. So it, it sounds like you, you took your account down, but you'll still go on, go on as a without an account and just look at, you know, search certain terms or, or in order to keep up with the news that's being shared on Twitter. Yeah. And of course, you know, still uh, have a role in maintaining the sports channel account so I can right. log in through there. And, you know, those lists still exist. But just personally, I and without delving too far into the political spectrum didn't really want to support the person who was you know peddling conspiracy theories or, or benefit in him in any way combined with the uh it's just becoming of of less and less value and more of a cesspool of shouting yeah i've seen enough well hot takes coming in from smiley today <laughs> I wouldn't say it's such a hot take. It, depending on where someone is on the political spectrum, they may, if, if they're on the opposite side, maybe that feels like a hot take. But fair enough. I mean, Hitler could be selling Chick Fil A. I think I'd still eat it once in a while. <laughs> Stuff's delicious. Oh, he went there. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead. I know we're working on a story that I was part of, uh, looking ahead to next year, twenty twenty three. It's starting to feel like next year. I mean, I, you know, I it probably could say this about anything all the time, but it's starting to feel like next year feels like a momentous year for this industry, the sports bay industry. I think part of it is has to do with everyone's getting all hot and bothered with these New York Times articles and, you know, legislators now start taking a little bit of harder look. Fanatics is getting involved. 
uh, you know, on on the operator side. But if if it, I know you've been working on this, I know you've been looking at other people's work. What do you think is going to be the big story next year? Give me your look ahead to 2023 in the sports betting space. Well, I, I have the benefit of uh, knowing what everybody else thinks. Uh, I'm doing a story, bold predictions for 2023. I, I think you set that up. That's where this is coming from. Um, so you guys took a lot of the good ones. So I, <laughs> those will come out in due time, either, you know, uh, Thursday or maybe early next week. So I thought, well, which gap could I fill in? And, uh, my bold prediction or hottish take is I think there's going to be, uh, some kind of restrictive law or, or, or pullback, you know, it's been legalization here, there, uh, kind of anything goes in, in certain States. Uh, but, uh, you pointed out the New York Times uh, series of articles about, you know, some of the ills of the industry and concerns. And uh, so I think maybe uh, there's there's a law that restricts advertisement, maybe can't say certain things during different broadcasts. Maybe uh, maybe something happens at the, the federal level. Even uh, there's been, you know, thought of that here and there. Where might that they step in? It could be with, uh, you know, some of the. Um, advertisement and uh establishing certain standards practice um no it's funny everybody uh at least half of you have prefaced with i don't want to um to be the one who who predicts a scandal but um <laughs> so i don't know it, it's inevitable i don't know if you call calvin ridley that situation him him betting that's scandalous uh but perhaps there is some sort of uh full-fledged game fixing type of situation uh, next year it's it feels like a matter of time nobody wants to say it i won't say it either but won't be surprised uh if it comes down yeah, like in one, in one of the major sports you think or collegiate yeah collegiate that college is worrisome it really yeah is. i certainly hope not but uh we, you were mentioning the the advertising and that perhaps one of the things will be that there will be rules clamping down on that more i seem to recall that didn't the NFL have some sort of policy in place that like during an NFL game, there was a limit to the number of sports betting ads we were going to see this season. Uh, I'm not, I'm not making that up. Right. That was, that was like no, something they were going to do. And it, I mean, I guess I haven't been counting, but it still feels like I'm seeing a hell of a lot of those ads during the games. Yeah, you're right. And it's, and they've limited, what do they have six or, or seven official partners and, I think uh, they they limited it to uh, roughly an equal number per broadcast, but even six is a lot. I mean, that's you know uh, a stoppage of play every quarter and throw an extra one at uh, halftime. It's it's uh, about the volume of uh, that old John Mellencamp campaign, "Our Country" back in two thousand six. I'll never forget. <laughs> the The important thing is that Jeff still gets uh, the occasional peek at his favorite Manning, Cooper Manning. As long as as long as he's popping up here and there, Jeff's a happy man. Those were the only good commercials. I I still I chuckle every time. Yeah, I'll tell you who's driving me nuts now is the Kevin Hart ones. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I don't enjoy them. The underdog, overdog, bark, bark. I, I can't deal with it. They, yeah, they, they mostly all stink. everything. Dude, just who knows what Kevin Hart stands for? He'll he'll take any, <laughs> any job. He'd probably uh, be a pitch man for Chick-fil-A if you asked him. I would, too. <laughs> I once wore the cow costume for, for a, a newspaper column. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. All right. Back it up. We we, we was, can certainly was... we can certainly give 30 seconds of air to uh, some details on that. Yeah, they were opening a new Chick-fil-A around here, and they, they reached out to me at the Trentonian newspaper. They said they asked if I wanted to be the cow for the day. And I said I couldn't say yes quick enough. Uh, and I, the co- I was like, you know, I was on the side of the road waving people in. The weird thing about wearing the costume is you really start talking to yourself. Like I was talking, I I kept having an inner dialogue, out well, an outer dialogue. Like, all right, here's a car. Let's see if I can get this guy. I, it was weird. Yeah, but I, I was the Chick Fil A cow. It was a lot of fun. Oh, right. Well, I know where we're eating lunch next. <laughs> there you go. All right. This uh, I swear this podcast is not sponsored by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this has been a, a pleasure having you back on for whatever number uh, appearance this is, Brett. Uh, may I wish uh, you and yours a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus, all of the above. And uh, and thanks for coming on Gamble On once again. Good to be here, especially Happy Festivus. I think it's Friday, so we'll all enjoy that. Air those grievances. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On Bankroll. 
We'll get to bagels and locks and some DFS talk shortly. But first, let's update our betting bankroll. And our bets made last week were not so good. But we had a strong week anyway because of a bet you made about a month ago, Jeff. Uh, you took Argentina pre-tournament to win the World Cup at 5-1 to one odds. You risked $100 and won $500. That more than covered the little bits of damage we did to our bankroll last week. One of those losses came in that World Cup final. You almost had a fantastic same-game parlay. Messi to score, check. Argentina to win in regulation time, almost check. check. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They did win the game, but they did not win for the purposes of that bet. So we lost $100 there. You had an equally brutal loss on your three-team <laughs> NFL money line parlay. Uh, Eagles, check. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bills, close, but check. Mm-hmm. Patriots. I still can't believe Jacoby Myers did that. And and, and, and so much for holding Belichick up above other clo- coaches. He's he's yeah. washed. Uh, how his players took the field for the final play of a tie game, thinking it was okay to lateral, that falls on the coach, right? Yeah, it seems to. I would agree. Uh, yeah. Now, not that they were going to win the game uh, and that we were going to win the bet, but they at least should have gone to overtime. So anyway, yes. we lost $100 there. My bet's just about broke even. I uh, had the Rams on the money line against the Packers. Lousy bet. Um, it was a stupid bet with the heart <laughs> type thing. I was betting on the Mayfield magic, but forgot that the Rams are horrendous. Uh, so we lost $60. Uh, I did, however, win with the points betting bet on Marshall against UConn. We had a minus 11 and risking $15 per point. They were up 28 nothing. I was feeling great, but the final score was 28-14. So we won $45 and would have been better off with a standard 110 to win 100 bet. Oh, well, you only live once. Uh, All in all, we won $285 on the week. We are now down by $2,376, creeping inch by inch toward respectability. Uh, We have $1,345 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with $6,279 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. All right. Well, so you're gonna have to write this one down here because there, it's not listed yet. But I want Derrick uh, okay. Henry, Derrick Henry's over rushing yards total, whenever it is, wherever it's posted, <laughs> at minus one fifteen or better. So, and I'm gonna put two hundred on this. I, I expect it to be coming around like one oh five, one ten, somewhere in there. Right. Uh, it is. I mean, I'm gonna talk about him in the DFS portion of the show, but I mean, it is unbelievable. Uh, this is like the prime Derrick Henry spot. Yeah. Home, have to win against the worst rushing defense. He's 200 yards rushing four straight times against this team. I mean, unless the prop, I, I mean, the prop should be like 140, but there's right. no way it's going to be. So what, whatever gets posted at, as soon as it gets posted, I want to hit it. Uh, is is there is there a limit to how high it is at which point you would say, never mind, no bet? Like if it is 140, do you say, okay, screw it, we're, we're not betting it? Yes, I'll, I'll let, let, let's put it at 140. Okay. It's Any, not going to be 140. Right, Anything right. Anything lower than 140. Right. Anything lower than 140, we're taking the over for 200. I think you're plus EV. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, among the many factors that make this the perfect spot for him, also no Tannehill. So they have no right. passing game. So, right. so they really got to feed Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to get a little bit crazy with my first bet this week. You're rubbing off on me, Jeff. For better or worse, <laughs> you're rubbing off. Um, I have two money line underdogs that I think are drawing more live than the odds makers say. Both in the NFC East, one is my Eagles. Uh, Of course, Minshew is a downgrade from Hurts, but he's a capable NFL quarterback. The rest of this team is stacked and largely healthy, knock wood. Uh, The Cowboys have been looking like ass lately. Dak Prescott hasn't been good. Even with Minshew, I think this is close to a coin flip game, but the Eagles are almost two to one. So we'll take them. And then there's the Washington Commanders coming off a bad loss against the Giants that involved getting unlucky in several spots. Now this becomes almost a must win in San Francisco. And yeah, the Niners are a top team, definitely better than Washington. But again, seventh round rookie quarterback. He's been great for three weeks. You got to figure there's a clunker coming sometime, right? Why not in this game where the commanders are as high as plus 270? Uh, So I shopped it around, found the parlay as high as plus 995 at Caesars. Here we go. Eagles and commanders to beat the Cowboys and Niners, respectively, $60 to win 597 Now, I know you would have done the full 100 to win 995 but, you know, I'm, I'm injecting a, a little Raskin into the craziness of the smaller <laughs> bet size. I, I, I like the bet. Okay. I like, I like the way you're thinking, Eric. This is All good. Right. I am rubbing <laughs> off on you. All right. So I'm going to take a little bit of an opposite tack here and, and hope that the Cowboys win this game. And you're going to ask me why, and the answer is this. 
because you could get Jalen Hurts MVP at 425 at DraftKings. Mm-hmm. All right. He was the favorite, you know, the, the what, what he was like, minus 150 before the shoulder sprain. Right. Right. Right about that. Yep. So what happens if he just misses one game and the Eagles fall flat on their face? Yep. And I think so. At, I, do I think Hurts wins the MVP? I guess right now it's Mahomes' to lose. Right. right. But if the Eagles lose this week and Hurts comes back next week, I think that there's a there, there's a narrative there at minimum. Those odds are going to fall to like you know probably plus one fifty. So I'll, I'll take the value, what I perceive to be the value here at four twenty five, fifty bucks. Okay. For Hurts uh, to be the MVP. Yeah, I, I like the logic there, and um, I don't even think they need to lose this game. I, I think as the key is that he does come back and play at least one more, maybe one and a half more games, because even if they win this game, as long as he comes back and plays New Orleans next week and gets them a win he will have been their quarterback for 14 wins, which right. is as many or more than any other quarterback. So, you know, if he's if he's 14 and one as a starter, having missed two games and Mahomes is 14 and three as a starter, that argument falls and hurts his favor and all his other numbers are great. I, Yeah, I think he, plus 425 is certainly a good a good price as long as the injury is not more serious than they're letting on and he doesn't right. miss multiple games. Uh, all right, so my final bankroll bets of the year. Uh, you just did an, an NFL year-end award. I'm gonna I'm gonna do two NFL year-end awards bets. One on a favorite who I think is getting close to being a lock, and one on an underdog. The favorite is Garrett Wilson of the Jets for Offensive Rookie of the Year at minus 220 at DraftKings. His numbers are clearly better than the other receivers and running backs. Kenneth Walker's been hurt. Christian Watson's numbers aren't gonna get there. Olave's are close to Wilson's, but he's doing it for a bad team. I don't see anyone else besides Wilson having a chance to win this, except maybe Brock Purdy, if the Niners win all their remaining games and he keeps playing well. He's drawing live, I would say, at about plus 800. But to me, Wilson is like at least 80% likely to win this now. So I like uh, minus 220. Let's go $220 to win 100. And then for comeback player of the year, how about Jared Goff coming from out of nowhere? Uh, The best price on him now is plus 260 at FanDuel. I've been saying for a couple of weeks that Geno Smith, who was once minus 700, that he's in trouble if the Seahawks don't start winning again. He can't win this if Seattle misses the playoffs. And uh, the Lions currently are more likely to make the playoffs than the Seahawks. Uh, and Goff is a true comeback story. Like Geno, he was never really a comeback. He was right. He wasn't there to start. Exactly. He was he was a well-regarded college player who never panned out in the pros, and now he's panning out. That's that's not a true comeback. That's most improved or whatever. Uh, Goff, he was pretty good. He got to a Super Bowl, had a couple of good statistical years, and then fell off dramatically and became the butt of jokes. And now he's leading an underdog playoff charge. Now. You also have in the picture various post-injury running backs like CMC, Barkley, Derrick Henry. Eh, those comebacks, they're impressive, but they're a dime a dozen in the NFL. What Goff is doing is unique. I think he can win this award, and I think he's almost a lock if the Lions make the playoffs. So let's bet him at plus 260, $100 to win $260. I love it. All right, and it's time now for Bagels and Locks. Uh, Last week, Jeff lost with that wacky Patriots ending, which was brutal, but... Since your whole theory was based on the genius of Belichick, I'm not going to quite call it a bad beat. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, you may recall, I had four teams I considered last week. Three of them covered. Jags, Texans, Bengals, all with room to spare. I, of course, picked the fourth option. The Titans, (laughs) plus three, I pushed. Uh, So I'm now two, four, and one with my so-called locks. Uh, Jeff is four and three, and it's my turn to go first. And, uh, and, And this week, I'm not giving you two or three or four options. I zeroed in on one that I love. It's a true lock. The Bears are getting too many points at home in windy weather against the Bills. I liked it better when it was plus nine and a half early in the week. It's now plus eight and a half, but I still love it. The Bills are that very good team that isn't quite as good as their hype and that tends to let almost every game be close. The Bears play hard. They covered against the Eagles last week as big dogs. The wind is supposed to be over 20 miles an hour, which means lots of running, probably a lowish score. That's good for the team that's more than the touchdown underdog. It's just hard for the favorite to really run up the score. And Justin Fields is trying to set rushing records. He's 206 yards behind Lamar's record. So he'll use his legs a lot. Give me the Bears, plus eight and a half. I can't imagine them winning this game, but they aren't getting blown out. 
I like it. All right, my lock of the week. Uh, you had mentioned earlier something about uh, betting with your heart. I didn't know that we were supposed to be betting with our heads here because I only <laughs> bet with my heart. Okay. Uh, and my lock of the week is a pure bet with the heart bet here. Okay. Uh, it's the Steelers giving two points at home to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. All right. On the field, the Raiders are probably a more talented team, but we're at home. We're in Pittsburgh at night in the cold. So that's mm-hmm. definitely going to help Pittsburgh. But yep. beyond that, obviously with the passing of Franco Harris, this was supposed, they were supposed to retire. I mean, they are going to retire his number. You know, the, the amount of, you know, Steeler nation juju is going to be, you know, off the charts Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's no team quite like the Steelers in the NFL. Like they're like the one team that really feels like, it's like family. I, and I know like I, I'm really going deep into the, the heart here, but <laughs> yes. it, it really does feel that way. You know, like, I, mean, I guess maybe the giants a little bit, but not, not, not like the steel, you know, they hire a coach. The coach stays for a million years. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So like I, there's, there is just to me, there is no way that the gods of football allow the Steelers to lose this game. So that's it. That's yeah. my lock. No, I, if, if you're going to make a pick based on narratives, that's that's got all the narratives working for you. And you, you didn't even mention that Mike Tomlin, currently six and eight, needs to win out to maintain his streak of never having a nope. losing season. So you that's throw true. that in there, too. Uh, yeah, I, I love this pick. I think I think the heart might be on to something this week. All right. Good, good. All right. Let's wrap it up, as we always do, with some DFS talk. I will be in a foreign country by the time the weekend rolls around, so I will not be entering any DFS contests. Uh, You know, the last thing you want to do is be unable to make changes at lock when there's injury news. Uh, So I'm sitting this one out, which by default makes this my best DFS week in about a month. Uh, (laughs) Jeff, uh, your thoughts on the week 16 slate? I mean, once again, it's like a, not a pretty slate, but I mean, the the, the decision point is Derrick Henry, uh, period. You know, I mean, right. if you're playing cash, you're playing, I mean, you're playing Henry. You yes. know, if you're not playing Derrick Henry in cash, please, uh, my screen name is Neil Cassidy. So <laughs> one on a, one V ones. Right. Uh, but the question is, what, what do you do with them in tournaments? Right. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't have a decision point here. Like, I think I'm going to probably have it both ways. I'm probably going to build a bunch of lines with, and then a few lineups without. Uh, he's 8,500. You know, he kind of needs 202 to, like, get to that 4X value, right? So, like, you're kind of asking a lot out of him, you know, at 8,500. But, like, if he does do that, you're kind of buried without it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, and I also think that, like, some of the smart, you know, quote, smart people are going to pivot to McCaffrey. Right. Right. Because uh, he's probably going to be very low owned. I think maybe like the, the, you know, assuming that the Niners like keep their play. You know, it's too early to start resting people, I think, you know. Right. Uh, so assuming the Niners keep McCaffrey on the field, I think maybe a, a really smart play would be like putting Henry and McCaffrey in the lineup. I don't <laughs> Do you have any money left that. over? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a bunch, there are some cheap receivers out okay. there this week, you know, and then, you know, you always punt tight end and Gardner Minshew at four eight. Yeah. You know, you plug him in and, you know. Next thing you know, you know, you have a, a you know, a, a line that might be competitive. But yeah, I mean, it really, it's it's Derrick Henry is that is like the big question, you know, and then he could get really clever, you know, and like play Malik Willis instead of Minshew. Right. Right. And play McCaffrey and 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 Willis and hope that Willis steals the touchdowns. Right. And that McCaffrey, you know, goes off, you know, there, you know, so there, there's ways to, you know, there's game theory ways around this. But like really, at the end of the day, Derrick Henry. To be very clear. The last four times he has played against the Texans, he's rushed for over 200 yards. Okay. Barry Sanders, I wrote this in my column for Friday. Barry Sanders, Earl Campbell, Jim Brown have rushed for 200 yards in their career four times each. Wow. Okay. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, and Henry and AP, I think, they share the record for most 200 yard games at six. I mean, the Titans have to win. They're at home. It's December. They don't have Tannehill. Like, yep. the Texans are last by a wide margin in rushing defense, according to, like, every metric, you know, advanced and otherwise. So, like, I mean, on paper, li- on paper, this might be the most obvious spot in DFS history. Right. On which, paper. <laughs> which which then makes for a fascinating decision, because, yeah, like, right. what's what's his ownership going to look like in the Millie Maker? Uh, it's got to be 40%. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So that you know? so so yeah. So then, if it if it is somewhere in that range, is the smart move to to mostly fade him and and try to go like you said go. But 
I mean, McCaffrey and Willis is a fascinating combo to totally right. you know, sort of double fade Derrick Henry with those two. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I'll lose no matter what I do. But, I mean, <laughs> the, the, it's it, it, it's you know it, it is it is an interesting week. And then there, you know there's other there's a lot of receivers that are set up nicely. DK Metcalf without Lockett against Kansas right. City which has very bad pass defense. I like that. DJ Moore against the Lions. I like that. You know, if you want to get crazy, Slayton against the Vikings. I like that. Uh, Drake London is getting like, you know, 12, 13 targets a game. You know, I kind of like that. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's some like cheap, cheap, cheap ish receivers out there that, that I don't mind. Um, then, yeah, and then the quarterback, you know, you got Josh Allen in Chicago, you got Mahomes in 10 degree weather, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's not ideal for these top quarterbacks, but you know, I don't know. As far as the weather goes, I'm not all that concerned until the wind really starts getting up there. So I don't know. The, the, it's another interesting DFS week. Every week is interesting in its own right. But right. like the, the Derrick Henry is to me, you know, if he ends up going for 140 and one, and you're playing him, you're not you're not doing yourself any favors, you know? Right. Yeah, that's right. If he lands around 25 fantasy points, that's fine. It's what not a, it's not going to kill, kill you, you, but it's not right. going to win the Millie Maker. No, um, certainly not. Yeah. Uh, so I ha- like obviously I haven't taken a close look at anything if I'm not planning to play anything. But I, I-, I do want to point out that the uh, the Sunday Christmas Day slate, it's just hilarious how the NFL thought it was lining up these huge games, especially mm. Broncos at Rams. Right, <laughs> they-, right. they got some real duds. I-, I don't know how much fun the DFS building for, for that day is going to be. Um, and meanwhile, I-, I have a tough lineup decision for my season long playoff semifinals. But because I have the rule of not talking about who's on my team on the podcast, I will uh, warn you that I'm going to ask for your quick opinion off air. I'll give you the quick opinion on air. Give me the two players. Oh, I do, really? I have to I have to tell the people who's on my on my fantasy team. Just two of them. Just two of them. All right. All right. It's, it is just it is. It's, so it's a running back decision between a guy who's been on my team all year and a guy I just snapped up off uh, off the waiver wire as thinking he'd be my backup running back in case someone gets hurt. But I'm debating using him. I have Miles Sanders, and I picked up Jarek McKinnon, who somehow was sitting out mm. there. And so I'm just not sure what to expect from Sanders with Minshew. Does that is that good for Sanders? They're going to lean on Sanders. Uh, certainly, he doesn't have Jalen Hurts stealing his rushing touchdowns. But I don't know if that or or is McKinnon can he keep doing what he's been? So I'm not. Do you have an, a, a strong uh, leaning on which of those two I should play? I mean, I just think Sanders is the more likely player to do what you need to do in a season long league. Right. I mean, McKinnon, you know, he's running hot. Like, are they still, are they going to pepper him with like, you know, eight, 12 targets if they're winning this game, you know, if they could jump out to a 14, nothing league, you know, right. plus Hardman's back this week. So I, I don't know. I, I think if, if I gun to my head, I'm going Sanders, but I, okay. I'm having a very, very, very bad decision-making year in the NFL. <laughs> don't listen to anything I say. Right. Okay. No, I'm definitely playing McKinnon now. This right. is helpful. <laughs> um, for, for those curious, I am not up against my son in the semis. Uh, I'm the one seed and he's the three seed. Uh, so we, we could meet in the finals, although he has Jalen Hurts, uh, as do a lot of people in fantasy playoffs this week. So sure. so he is left as an underdog heading into uh, his semifinal game. But uh, I guess uh, I'll win after... After the holiday, uh, I'm, I may have a fun story about playing my son in the fantasy finals. I may not. There you go. All right. And that'll do it for this episode and this year of Gamble On. Uh, as I've hinted here, there won't be an episode next week. The podcast is off for the holiday week. Uh, we'll return the first week of 2023. So thanks to everybody out there for listening all year long. And thanks again to this week's guest, Brett Smiley. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, for the final time this year, please take us out. You know, I, I just want to say I cannot believe I've spent a lifetime hitting soccer. All right. Now, I mean, I really, I can't believe it. Now, granted, that World Cup final, that it had it all. Messi, Mbappe, these two, I mean, two of the best players in the world, trading goals back and forth, overtime, penalty shots, the Messi, everything. It had everything. But still, I enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed the tournament. Um, it didn't hurt, by the way, to add to my enjoyment that I was DFSing my way through all of right. it. But these 10 a.m. starts, man, these 10 a.m. weekday slates, like, this is that's how soccer is played. I, I, there's like the next soccer slate is on Monday. Uh, it's an EPL, I, I guess that's English Premier League. It's a 10 a.m. slate. I, wait, so you're telling me Monday morning I could start, I could have a sweat? I, I am 100% in. <laughs> it, this, this, it, this is beautiful. Uh, and, but apparently, I'm not the only person, apparently, who, who, who got interested. I saw this tweet 
from Ryan Butler, right, in the industry. Who, yeah. And I'll just read the whole tweet here. He's a Butler best. It says, the World Cup Finals is the second most popular sports match of the year for betters in the United States, according to GeoComply. The final attracted 7.9 million geolocation transactions behind the Super Bowl's 23.5 million, but ahead of the 5.1 million transactions of Game 6 of this year's NBA Finals. So, like, it, people were betting this, right? And you never, and you know, I'm going to write a story about this in the new year, but, like, you never really hear about soccer betting and like maybe 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 soccer is like sportsbook's eventual secret weapon i mean is it possible right i mean is it possible that that and maybe sports betting is soccer's secret weapon maybe that's what finally pushes it to popularity here in the states who knows i don't know but in the meantime <laughs> eric have a merry have a happy hugs and kisses to all and to all a gamble